welcome to this month's edition of Femme Fatale with myself, Sophie Murphy. Um, so far in the show, we've had some a seriously unreal cocktail of uh, New York City artists feature, which has been great. Um, and I promise to bring you more. Uh, this week's month's edition, we have Whitney Mallet, who um, I noticed crop up on my home feed on numerous occasions uh, since I've moved here. Uh, she's 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 pretty spectacular. I, I have to say the fir- the first time actually I noticed her was was a uh, when I was half present at a, a film screening in a dance studio. Um, and that is all the information that I can give. But I, I did notice her feature um, and then subsequently noticed her in the audience. And I was like putting two and two together. And I was like, wow, that there's that girl. Um, and then I noticed her again, uh, again, doing a performance piece. But this time. Uh, this time a uh, very very different context she was she was chopping an excessive quantity of onions on repeat and um that that did captivate me and for anyone who knows me would would know that that definitely captivated me for for multiple reasons but i i was like okay i, I need to talk to her specifically about this and i was like what a good platform and opportunity would femme fatale be to talk about the excessive onion chopping so uh, while i have you in front of me whitney uh, first of all welcome thank you Thank you for yeah. having me. <laughs> can we can we just talk about the 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 performance piece that involved with the onions at the Grace ex- exhibition space there recently last month? Yeah, so um, it was a durational performance where uh, there's like multiple people in the space doing durational performances at the same time, um, and I think it was five hours long. So everyone kind of had their own station, and so there's like a juxtaposition also going on with all the different people. Uh, and so my action, I was doing gesture, I guess, for, for five hours was um, chopping onions. And I was really curious how, when or if they were going to make me cry. Um, so I thought it would kind of, and if like, yeah, I just didn't know the rhythm. So it was, it was surprised me. Like I didn't cry a lot. Like my eyes watered near the beginning, but I didn't yeah. like, fully cry until like four hours in. I see I did wonder that because like the the first thing I noticed I came like moderately late to to this particular exhibition um and I noticed that you were wearing really thick black eyeliner and uh it took me a while to actually like put two and two together I was like she's wearing a lot of eyeliner and then I was like wait a second she's chopping a load of onions and that black eyeliner is still perfectly intact and uh, I made the follow follow through question like you know to someone else that was there that knew you and I was like I was like uh did that black eyeliner stay in her eyes and they're like no 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 that collapsed after a while yeah but it took a really long time like yeah. a lot of my friends came like during the first hour or two and I feel like they kind of like were like yeah cool performance like they were like kind of like oh you didn't cry you know but it was just interesting because like, <laughs> you, you, you didn't cry, you came for just yeah. like the first two hours it kind of seemed like 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 it sort of and I was yeah it seemed like maybe it failed you know like or maybe like it didn't not that it failed but like it was like maybe like it was a little boring or something but it was like so I really was happy with the because I thought I would cry at the beginning and then it was so it'd be more boring I guess for the next four hours but I think the arc of it happening in the very end, end was yeah. like it couldn't have asked for a better arc I mean that's yeah. just like the most peculiar yeah <laughs> sort of outcome if and you've... the makeup looked really good after too like I couldn't have also asked for better dripping and I went to the like the club after and people were just like thought that was like my like done that like makeup like a girl was like oh can I ask like um, like yeah, like how did you how did you get that look? And I was like, oh, I just put on black eyeliner and cried. 
like it was looked like I, you know those girls have all these like crazy makeup video, tutorial videos for how to like get the look and so i think people thought i was like i just like had like watched one of those videos and like drawn it on or something i mean i'm sorry yeah. that's that's hysterical like if people would spend so much money on getting their makeup done to look just like that and you're like no no save yourself the trouble just yeah. chop onions for five hours before you go out it's like yeah yeah i don't know if it's saving yourself much trouble yeah i'm like that's a lot of time <laughs> a lot of masochism you really <laughs> you could probably just like it's if like you're pretty self-destructive yeah actually. if you have some triggers of like you know someone you really don't like or something you could probably save on a lot of onions you could just maybe like just think about all the people who've done you wrong like put on a lot of black eyeliner yeah and just, it's actually a really yeah it's good yeah. like emotional exorcism or something yeah yeah i also noticed as i was chopping that um because at first you mentioned i was dicing them that was yeah. not a good strategy to make you cry because the first cut they definitely released more fumes interesting so i noticed that like so when it actually kind of i think the mix of when it when i actually just broke down it was a mix of doing a lot of just like the coarse chops and not kind of worrying about dicing them as much and then uh also just being exhausted and then also like just like let like i like let myself like feel sad about some things too i think interesting okay so that kind of triggered the the, the tear ducts but um yeah insofar as like the piece was concerned um i mean i i, I am curious to just like point blank ex- like explicitly ask you what like the actual conceptual underpinning mm-hmm. of the piece was but I like I mean I feel like that will that will come in conversation uh but did you first question did you did you practice no I didn't practice no but I mean I do chop you know I chop onions regularly like when I cook so I guess I've been practicing my whole life so like was there was there this element when you went into the like I don't know the task of doing it that you, you felt like that perhaps like you would fail at any point yeah well I think that there's like I think especially with durational things because you can't I mean you're the the constraints of that thing you're never gonna do that in any other situation yeah like you're not gonna so there's always kind of an element of like unpredictability because you're never gonna you're not gonna like do the whole thing in advance because it would just be like it's already ridiculous you're doing it once like you'd never do it twice you know so I, I think like yeah I think it's like it's like you just don't know what's going to happen. So like this whole like, because there was obviously an element of prediction that was entailed within the whole task. Because like, I mean, you did wear a thick black eyeliner. Yeah, I had expectations. Yes. I had expectations, but I didn't know if I'd get there. Okay. Um. So like, were there any other expectations other than like simply like crying? Yeah. I wondered if I would feel, I guess the, the, the big question for me with it was, can you, can you have like an artificially generated catharsis? Like does does crying based on a, a, a thing that you're not apparently sad you're just crying because you the, the whatever like chemical reaction happens with like this like onion fumes hitting the oxygen in the air or whatever is that gonna make you feel catharsis and I yeah. feel like that when I watch like kind of like lifetime movies because I like it's like it I feel like there's also these like very artificial triggers just like the way the the, the music swells or things like that and if you cry, like, you know, the last hour of the movie, you're, like, crying. Like, this, like, tragic story of, like, you know. I, and then you do, I do see, I do feel like I get catharsis still. Yeah, so. So that's I was trying to, like, yeah, play with that kind of, like, will I get the same kind of, like, is it, like, Lifetime movie, Onions, like, yeah. No, um, I like. Sorry, yeah. Just the way you gesticulated. Lifetime movie, Onions. It's, like, imagine yeah. a Lifetime movie about Onions. That would be overwhelming. Yeah. Um. 
but yeah no it's this whole element of like oh like a, I don't know perhaps like I don't know you physically like I don't know produce a reaction as a result of an emotional trigger uh, i.e. crying when you're sad or emotional or whatever it may be sad being an emotion um and would that like in the reverse like when you cry without the emotion would that trigger the emotion yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah, to yeah. the emotion trigger the cry triggering exactly. the crying exactly and i do um, think they played off each other yeah, yeah. that must have been an interesting uh, but was that like was that the kind of look would go and like when you're endeavoring the task like was this always in the back of your mind and were you like is this going to be conveyed to the spectator or was mm-hmm. it like a case of just being like I'm playing around with this myself and then let the spectator kind of like construe what they you know yeah they may. more the last the latter yeah yeah like I'm, I'm, yeah this I feel like especially it was like kind of it's kind of like an experiment yeah for yourself and then you'll I also know it's it's a quite visually dramatic thing that has a lot of room for people to to you know there's enough you can you can interpret. map on yourself and interpret yeah yeah. So I, yeah it's something that has it's it's something so yeah i'm curious what what um what are why are onions significant for you well oh that's a re- oh my god i've never been asked a question uh when i'm interviewing i'm completely caught off guard um yeah why are onions significant for me you know it's a, it's a really good question i always find them re- really fascinating not so much from the, the layered aspect but just like the the, the the myriad of like functions that they, they serve in general well and and like kind of like the kind of they're kind of narcissistic vegetables like they're like yeah gonna make you cry for no reason and mm-hmm. you're like whoa mm-hmm. you know what i mean like if out of all of the vegetables i know they're not like sentient beings but like it's pretty psychopathic but at the same time they're layered which means they've got a mm-hmm. lot of depth and it's kind of mm-hmm. like whoa a deep a deep psychopath that's kind of weird yeah. you know <laughs> i also feel like they're like i also like crave them too yeah i oh, know don't get me wrong on a physical on, on a like on a less sort of abstract level onions absolutely rule my world they like mm. season any f- like if mm-hmm. you saute an onion that smell pervades the whole block oh my god, it's the whole like block the smell like the, the rats are doing the cha-cha outside my building i'm like oh my god i don't blame you like i don't blame yeah. you like seriously it smells so good so yeah there is there's is a lot of like sort of wonderful functions that can be derived from an onion um but anyway um the heartbreak hotel was was that exhibition for anyone who's curious and wants wants to look it up um heartbreak hotel at the grace exhibition space um and you'll be able to see like i know more, more information about that
But interestingly, we've been speaking about um, we've been speaking about Whitney's performance pieces when she's actually like predominantly a writer and a filmmaker. So we're gonna we're gonna touch on those elements now in just a second. Um, yeah, actually, you know, we'll, we'll touch on the writing first. I think I think the writing okay. is is a good a good transition. Um, so you're an English lit major, mm-hmm. is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So write, has writing always been like? sort of a a passion of yours yeah I think I like thought of myself as a writer and imagined that that would be probably writing novels when I was like a child like or just I wrote little books like from a very young age like just by like stapling two you know folding a paper in half and like putting two staples and oh beautiful yeah yeah, like I've always imagined myself as a writer but then I remember also a point realizing like kind of seeing magazine journalism and thinking like oh like this is a thing yeah this this is a and it sort of like won me over um so and then also being a I feel like one thing being a writer for hire I find has more room to feel fine fulfilling than like I've tried to work in tv like being like kind of doing like broadcast I guess like if if the if being like a journalist essayist critic kind of is like the kind of like day gig for being like a book writer Mm. then like the day gig for being like a movie maker is like doing like you know like little broadcast segments for tv or something sure but i find that it's like the and i've worked a little doing that but writing i find like as a gig is like more fulfilling than like find the other stuff you end up just being a technician and you have to like be a lot it more sort like, of takes the good out of it in yeah. some way the creative good like when like the like when you're writing something it seems like more of a case of like just you and the idea yeah in the like when you're like actually producing it it's just like there is no connectives other than you and the thing yeah it's not like when you work for someone else it's like oh but oh you can we like your work but you don't have the right camera for our like you know our network uses like this camera and this formula like with a writer they give you a little you know yeah you can just do it it's pure ideation pure like concepts and expression without having any of the like the fanfare yeah. Like you let people like think about what they want to think about in association mm-hmm. with the words you produce. And you're like, yeah, I don't have to edit that. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and I definitely feel like, like I'm a reader. Like, I feel like that's one thing that I like writing because I think I read the most out of all the things I do. That's yeah. like what I love to do the most is read. And like your, your relationship with reading, like talk about a little bit about that. Like, I mean, you say you love it, but what is it that, you like about it the most is the like the ideas that you like actually extract from it or is it just like the actual process of reading Mm. probably both um but I did I did like I did read a lot to the point where I was like as a kid I would like take a book to the toilet forget I was on the toilet and like two hours later my mom be like are you are you okay like are you you know I would like forget and my legs would be falling asleep but I'm just like so I guess like I've always been able to like I guess very absorbed by reading in a way I don't even think like movies absorb me to the same degree Mm. like yeah yeah I often wonder if it's like if it's like it obviously it is contingent on the person but I often wonder if like if reading actually is has the most capacity to give people information like I know some people aren't necessarily like suitable for extracting information that way but I still feel like that like 
if you have the capacity, reading is the thing that's going to give you the most information as opposed to watching a movie. It can also you know? move really well across time. Yeah. Like, think about, like, how you can, like, read something from, like, 600 years ago and you really, like, just, like, understand that person's point of view. Yes. I think it can put you in, like, someone else's, like, this kind of, like, transfer of, like, a headspace. I get you, yeah. Which I really think can also be a powerful, like, vehicle for empathy. Yes. Like... You could, like, like, I feel like someone could understand where someone's coming from. Like, the novel is, like, kind of the format where it's, like, largely kind of just, like, one, per- you know. I mean, there's novels that have, like, lots of characters and stuff. But I feel like the novel sort of, like, comes from kind of one person's story and, like, one person's. And I feel like that can be really powerful because you can be, like, if you read this novel and you, you, you even someone who's a very different whatever. Like, it, yeah, it can, like. I don't want to be like overly universalizing but I do think it can be like create empathy for a situation like very different from you like from 600 you know like old timing old you just like it, yeah it moves well over time because we don't have these issues of format yeah stuff. yeah see yeah. that's the thing like with technology like it's very much like branded in space and time at what era that you know these things yeah. are produced and that's constantly kind of looming in your head like I mean when you watch a film from the 90s it's so, so evident it's from the 90s yeah. that it's kind of like the prevailing theme if you will yeah that it distracts almost from like what's actually like n- the narration behind it you know yeah. but I suppose that language reading you know if it's if you're reading like old English you're gonna be like Jesus I need a dictionary yeah. I mean I did I did have to read a lot of stuff that's very like in school I remember that yeah being like yeah it is, it is a lot more opaque like, yeah, or, like definitely harder to get into sometimes but like okay so I mean do you have I mean you write articles relatively frequently you're a contributor mm-hmm. to Vice you're a contributor to the new inquiry inquiry sorry I mean I'm from Ireland that's the way we say it there okay uh, aluminum anyway um but yeah so do you do you find like that specific publication satisfy you in different ways or do you just kind of like you know yeah, pitch ideas depending definitely. on like the I mean there's some places I write for like a gig for money like mm. you know uh like I did something like about uh special effects in a Harry Potter movie that was probably like the best paid thing I've ever done for like Condé Nast like there's some things that I do like okay like I'm doing this for a paycheck but mm. most of the writing I do is somewhere in between like is most I'm lucky that most things I don't get paid very much money to do them but I get paid a little bit of money to do things I like really want to be thinking about interesting so that's that's where I've, and then there are publications that I'm like passionate about like I'm like excited about the the what the publication is trying to do like there's a few smaller magazines that I'm like involved with yeah like, topical so like, cream sure so that's like trying to be a platform for like women working in fashion technology art so yeah I'm like really so that magazine it's like a thing that I'm like excited to be a part of the whole project not just my contributions that I do sure um and there's the editorial magazine also that's like uh I've been writing for them every issue for like uh my like old friends of mine started it and so that's another thing I'm just like so like it's like feels like happy when you're like wow this thing is like really growing and it like created its own audience and so I'm really into like how magazines get guys to create communities and being a part like of subcultures that. or something or something yeah. yeah and so there are ones but then there's other ones I'm trying to think like so like oh, you like, bend with others and then like you kind of have to bend to some publications and then other yeah. ones you're kind of creating so yeah exactly. Of, like, exactly yeah 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 and then some things are in between-ish. Yeah. God, it's, it's, it does seem a bit analog and vague. But like, yeah. Okay, yeah. so that, that, yeah, that does sound pretty. But like writing in general, 
I mean, even the films that you make. So we're kind of kind of delving into your like filmmaking territory here, but like you've made some pretty mostly informative films, like documentary esque yeah. type films. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of referring to the thirst mm-hmm. film, which was which was really cool and the the gospel mime one mm-hmm. two very like niche uh niche topics which we'll get to in, in just a second but like the actual structure of the the films were were narrated pretty much the whole time yeah kind definitely of like storytelling-esque mm-hmm. you know so it, it wasn't like that the actual the, the the imagery itself was in any way like kind of taking away from the words yeah it's the closest thing to like yeah they're writing. definitely like a writer's films yeah yes. <laughs> yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So like tell me a little bit tell me a little bit about that. What what is it about um first of all tell me about why you would pursue film in the first place when uh-huh. you're interested in writing. Yeah. Um I mean I just I I think the what got me into film a bit was like watching experimental films And I was just like, I don't know, I was at an age where I was just sort of like, I had friends like kind of like being like, like it's just sort of making music videos and taking classes that were like showing you like early silent films by like Man Ray and like being Mm. like, oh, this is like cool. And it's like, just like to think about the challenge of like making something cool, like when you have limited means or like, yeah, like what can you do with this camera and this like light bulb and this whatever, you know, I I, I like, like that a lot about film and then. Then I got into watching, yeah, I guess, like, there's this genre of films called essay films that I was, like, oh, my God. Like, because I guess even though I'm obsessed, I guess, yeah, like, I love reading and writing. I guess essay films still have the analytical uh, element to element them. of the writing, but then they have this, you can have this visual juxtaposition. I also love that, um, I feel like that new James Baldwin film is a really good example of that because it's, like, they've adapted his text. So he had an unpublished book. And so they, like, read up this this manuscript. They have, like, you know, I think it's Samuel L. Jackson that reads it. But then so the director had to figure out what to cut with it. So it's, like, it's this, so he creates, like, a second layer of meaning. Like, there's the book you could have just read. And there's, like, this second layer of meaning with what images you're, like, juxtaposing with yeah, that. Yeah, of course. And it's so like I feel a double like, meaning. Yeah, it's, like, a so, dual meaning. Yeah, that's what I guess that's what made me, like, be, like, oh, wow. Like, as much as I want to write, I'm also, like, into, like, how you can create that meaning through like kind of like text and image yeah it's like in some way of like as opposed to like you're trying to fill a filmic sort of uh i don't know idea you're like taking the written word and kind of adding things to the written Mm -hmm. word instead yeah yeah giving it like a fourth dimension or something yeah 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 yeah. like plumping it up yeah like injecting with helium or something Yeah, yeah yeah definitely um which which is cool but the so like you're you started a production company yeah yeah um and with the, with that company what's 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 the name of it again it's oh it's called Terme Terme yeah what it's does Terme like, mean uh I don't even I know. think it well it means like um a friend of mine that I started it with I think it means like like a textile in Farsi. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, but then it also kind of sounds like end, like, you know, like... Yeah, terme, terminate. Like in French, yeah, like yeah. The end. It says, like, the end, like, at, at the end of, like, a French movie. So I guess it was, like, those two Oh, cool. Things. And then, but, like, the, then also, like, wanted the logo to kind of look kind of like Hermes, I think. <laughs> like, that was also a thought in my head. Oh, sorry. You know? It all fits in together. Yeah. Of course it was a thought in your head. Yeah. But, um, 
with with the with the so these two films that I mentioned earlier, um, the first one, um, Thirst. Yeah. It was a, like it was it was an interesting. I don't know anything about about the topic at hand. So if mm-hmm. you don't mind, like maybe giving a little brief outline about what the film was trying to do. Yeah, I went to California while the drought was going on, and I was like interested. Just like when my one of my roommates was going to LA a bit, and I was like, "So, like, does anyone seem to care about this drought?" And he's like, "No, no one really does seem to care." And then there was all these like weird kind of things where I was like, people just went about their daily life. But then there was like funny things like. Like at restaurants, they couldn't bring you water. You had to ask for water because you know they, they come and they like. It just seemed like to me so absurd the levels of like. Well, I mean, this this style of living in twenty first century living is entirely unsustainable, and here's a little crack in it. You know, like because I mean, when you th- when you start reading about it, so this drought. What did it mean? Like California is in a drought. Well, it's like not supposed to have. Uh, it's not supposed to have water in cities like LA. So there's elaborate scheme they have of like funneling you know pipes of 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 water in from like other states and all this stuff and it and it sits in reservoirs and it was just that their reservoir system it was like evaporating faster than it usually does like but it's like it's already when you start thinking about it you're like but there's it's always a drought there's never there's never water any here. water it's always mechanically yeah, funneled always, into this like, place you just take that for granted like you just live your life you turn on the tap you never think about like and it's like tied up in all this like politics like I read this really long book all about it and then there was like you know it was like just like the anecdotes of being like like the corruption like that movie Chinatown's a bit about, about that yeah right? you know but there's just like so much corruption like oh yeah the guy who owned the LA Times was like editorializing in favor of this you know because there's these water projects and Californians vote yes or no like do we want to build this dam do we want to do this and through this whole history you know you have like this like like people like the the LA Times guy editorializing in favor of like you know a water project that he's making money off of you know it's just like it's just like you have like you have like like this in the early 20th century there were guys that were kind of like these like like kind of like snake oil salesman rainmakers sure and they would like come to your they'd be like kind of like kind of like almost like david blaine but like you'd be like i'll come and i'll make it rain i bet the city ten thousand dollars if i do my little thing put some chemicals on the roof of the tallest building and it'll rain and if not then i'll pay you ten thousand dollars but if i do make it rain the city owes me ten thousand dollars like there's just like all this like crazy stuff in this history and then i also just like find la like really lonely because you're like you're like always driving or like walking around and everyone's in a car when you try to walk and i guess while i was there so i was there like with the premise of like just like learning all about water history and making something about it and then I also was like really like uh kind of like heartbroken so I was like also and I remember like yeah because there is a melancholic sort of yeah vibe about the film it just seemed quite like I don't know yeah and I just feel like online like text communication like you just don't want to be like thirsty right you're like don't want to double text like there's that feeling of sort of like you gotta like so I feel like that like the double meaning of thirst and that thing where it's like you're like you're like thirsty but you're like trying to play it cool and like yeah oh
one is so peculiar. Like, yeah. I, no, no, I didn't even know that existed until... Yeah. Yeah, so, like, obviously, like, hot topic. I mean... Yeah. How did you find out about that? Um, I found out about it from a friend Okay, who... well, first of all, what is it? And then we'll talk about how you okay. found out about it. So it's, like, um, it's, like, in... There's a lot of, like, genres of religious, like, dance. Like, there's praise dance and there's different... So it's, like, it's just, like, there's, like, you know, the choir is, like, one way people, you know, have an extracurricular activity but also, like, express their love of Jesus um and there's lots of yeah so there's like miming is also a a genre of like praise and worship and so like you have this whole gamut from like you know just like the 10 year olds at this church who like practice thursday nights and perform like on sunday a bunch of 10 year olds and then you have like the people who are kind of like the same way there's like kind of celebrity touring gospel singers who kind of like are on the circuit and like get like asked and like you know appearance fees and like get asked to be at certain um churches you have like that these kind of like semi-professional mimes that are like really really good um so there's like yeah it's like it was and it's also just interesting there's this. but what is the point so they mime for for religious purposes yeah it's like an art it's just a it's just like performing arts ministry so it's just like it's just like there's I, i guess like if you if you're like familiar with like other things like praise dance it kind of just like it's like less bizarre it's like still like you're just like wow but if you're if you're like i guess american evangelicalism compared to even like going to church in canada going to church in canada i think is probably but what religion is it affiliated with i don't even know just generic christianity like you some baptist you know but different churches like it's not like protestantism on mass kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that i know and really discriminate but it's really big in the black church which is like sounds like it's like a weird um it's like it's like even the churches I went to had different affiliations, but I think like culturally, like Amer- a religious worship in America is like is pretty like there's white churches and black churches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so it's like, and so even the churches I was going to had different like they were like I'm we're hardcore Baptist or but we're like you know there's like different subcategories. Yeah, of different yeah. people weren't all like this. Yeah. But, but like, was, but you okay? So like, were there particular are there particular regions in the United States? Where yeah, this it's like big in North Carolina. Okay, so it's the southern. It's big in like the Northeast corridor and then southern. It started in Pittsburgh. Whoa! It's big in Detroit. It's big in North Carolina. It's big in Florida. What? Yeah. How? And so it got big. So it it got really big. It's also interesting. It got big on BET, like on a televangel. Like there's like a there was a guy who had a show like every Sunday on BET, and he would like have good gospel singers and it was like a lot of really good performers would come on and these mimes from pittsburgh went on and so a lot of people just saw it they saw one tv performance in like 97 and then they were like oh i want to do that at my church so it has this kind of like grassroots pluralism where people just kind of like so it's very like certain people's interpretations of it are more like modern dancey and some people are more like skits some are more like pantomime where it's like every every action is like but then some are more like almost like just like a modern dance and there was people who sometimes it's like you know a 20 person group and it's like really choreographed in unison and sometimes people kind of like improv like they just like you know put a song on and like 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 let the holy spirit guide them that's and they're like it's really yeah they're like really it's really they're really good did they ever try like did you ever ask them what the actual purpose of this particular dance was and and how it related to their religion or yeah it's just like like, it's just like god like it's to you god gave us performing arts gifts like it's the same as singing like what's the point of singing it's like it's kind of ecstatic anything that's like song and dance to express your love of um 
God is like a stack of books just fell on our feet. It's our like the most perfect like performance piece. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, we have we have a stand where we we're, we're putting Voss water and <laughs> jars of tap water, and um, California would be so jealous right now. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Like, I feel like it's just. Um, so it's just an expression of that. The same but how long saying. has it been going on for? So it, it got really... So it's like this woman, Donna Darwin Lachi, I believe is her name. She just started doing it. She just... She had her kids were going to Christian school and there was like a parent night, like parent talent night. She was like, well, I can't sing. I can't dance. What talent am I going to do? And then she was like, she was listening to a gospel tape and she just had this vision of someone like with like kind of like my makeup on, like in a robe, like... Like acting out the, the meaning of the song or the expression of the song and she was like that's that's what I'll do and so she mm. was people really liked it like they, so she, other churches would ask her to come and she was into it and then but she wasn't that like someone asked her to be on TV once and she was like oh no it's okay like she wasn't into being like getting that much attention for it and then these two brothers started doing it and they started being like we invented it they, like, they got on TV on BET and on this Bobby Jones gospel show. And so they made it really popular because then people in other states just saw that and they're like, I want to do that too. And then so they would just start it at their church. But because of the white face paint, some pastors were like, like, I don't know, that seems like demonic or like, oh, I see. Like, is that it's like kind of like, face? you know, there was like, all yeah, these, so that so was so my was, next question. Were there any like kind of like race, race, like yeah. racial sort of connotations associated with the whole thing? I think like the, like there isn't, like it's, it doesn't have that meaning, but it's like got, that's got negative reactions because of the racial context because mm. people just being like or just yeah like there is something that. quite explicit about and even like, like if it's like go, go, you know how sometimes christian people are like don't like kind of things like halloween and there's also like a like yeah, yeah. Like that but in the racial thing too it's like some people were like again my pastor was just like i don't know about that white face thing like you can do your dance but don't wear that face paint so mm. some yeah some churches but then it's sort of like it just kept being popular so it's like i feel it's like kind of turned the corner and been it's like more accepted now but just like like anything if you're the first person to do something and people haven't heard about it before you know it's going to sound absurd and totally, yeah so i think yeah. it like it, for the first the, some of the people i interviewed were like yeah we were doing this in the 90s when it was like rebellious wait how did you find out about it though okay so a friend of mine is from pittsburgh which is where it's from mm. He he put a little bit in one of his videos, but he's like one of these like, so I just he and I was like, what is that? And he was just like, oh, just go home and Google. You'll you'll like fall into this Google hole. And I was like, oh wow, like if you go on YouTube, because that's the other thing is like, it's if you like search it on YouTube, you see how prominent it is in like a grassroots way. Like it's happening at a lot of churches. People just making home videos or like you know people filming from anything. Just like you know when I was at churches, people were like you know. Like, some aunties, like, standing up with her iPad, like, filming. Like, you know, people just make videos like that, you know, home videos. And then also, like, you know, churches have their own kind of, like, AV teams and stuff, too. So there's, like, there's, like, a real, yeah, you see it in, like, all these different. Whoa, so, so just, weird. Because yeah. would like, I've never heard of that happening in Europe anywhere or Ireland. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> just thinking about, like, the parish priest in, in my makeup doing his thing. Like, but I think it makes sense. In a, You have to think of it in, like, the larger American evangelical context where, like, um, kind of all of these kind of innovations and like I feel like there's a lot more of kind of like almost like Christian rock vibe church where like the 
preachers wearing a Hawaiian shirt like, and like yeah like trying to, like trying to make it contemporary yeah there's there's that's an American evangelicalism more than I've seen in other countries like this like constant urge. secularizing yeah. it almost in a weird way religiousizing everything else too because it's yeah. like you know and there's like like I in that Jesus Camp movie the girls do like a baton for Christ kind of shit like not the baton they have like um it's almost like devil sticks actually they have these like yeah. sticks and they're doing all these like they're like 11 year olds doing this choreographed dance with yeah yeah like with these sticks so i feel like i've seen even like things like i saw like you know i've searched this kind of stuff on the internet i've seen even like people who do like they j- have glow in the dark gloves and they do like they like have this rave action. religion like the lights go off and they like do these kind of like this like hand dance like telling the story with their glow-in-the-dark gloves so Rave in that Cas- context Cas- it seems like less bizarre where you just like think of like all the different kind of like new new dancey performing arts ministry there is it's like it's just no it yeah. is it it's is like, an interesting trope just the whole idea but like yeah like i know i say secularizing religion but it's more a case of like making religion fit into a secularist society you know, by trying to extract certain things from it to sort of in some way, like, make it seem more accessible. Yeah, that's true. I feel like that's true. And then also, though, it's like, if you think of it as, like, if you really are, like, a true believer and you think, like, well, everything is, like, everything that I do that's beautiful in life is, like, God. And, like, you know, God is, you know, God and beauty. I feel like I can understand that kind of, like, where art and religion you know the history of art is like religion right people are just expressing devotion but that's because religion obviously was just like a, the prevailing factor in societal structures so therefore art would kind of be contingent on that mm, i think that's true like the patronage system and those kind of things but also i think that there's some sublime quality of like thanking a gr- like not even thanking but like acknowledging a greater power and like a sublime energy that like there's a reason why art has like often been to to like the message of art has been like like kind of like worship. Like like even like like people certain painters were like I'm gonna like I'm because they're trying to make beauty you know they're trying to make something beauty or like reach some certain point, and I I feel like from like uh like a dancing perspective too it's like you know even when you're in like the like I feel like like the like a nightclub like the spectrum like there are moments where i'm like this is like church yeah so there's like there's like a there's a thing whether Sub, you it's more of a subcultural in... element as opposed to like a, a worship element i mean i mean well, wor- you're perhaps worshiping, worshiping you're worshiping, worshiping and... acknowledging you're something greater than you and, and being part of an ecstatic experience with others is a part of like yeah I mean, you're you acknowledging like when you're the unity choir, when you're in a reason. choir and you're singing with other people you know yeah and so i don't think it's a coincidence that often choirs have been like yeah, like, because to me, the the best version of religion is, like, you know, I always feel like I'm, like, a religious person apologist, because I'm, like, but, like, are they that wacky? Do they just want, like, a community and, like, a place to, well, like, really just, sing and dance? And, like, yeah, but that's not, that's not, like, then you're abstracting totally from religion. You're associating the rituals that correspond to the religion, but you're not actually, like, acknowledging the 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 purpose of the religion per se and but that's the, where it gets problematic well the purpose of the opinion. religion can be there's a lot of dogma and like repression that goes through yeah. religion but then there's also the like a lot of people their own motivation to just be at church every sunday is often like just that community thing yeah which yeah. is i mean i'm all about the community thing i think that like yeah. it's almost impossible to like um in some way like um persist in the world without kind of 
associating yourself with some sort of community and not but also in but, no, acknowledging too that like but having to do that through the through the, the the prism of religion to me is not essential i mean i think no i mean but also i understand like it's not it's not just the community it's also saying like there's something bigger than there's something acknowledging a, a higher power or whatever you yeah know? whatever that like, may I mean, be yeah, I mean, even this, like, kind of, like, whitewashed yoga that, like, goes on and, like... No, I do agree with that. Thing, or, like, of, identifying right? with something. Like, I mean, if you have, like, uh, like, like, like just to take queer culture, for example. Like, yeah. that you're, like, there's something higher than just me. Like, I am a constituent of this queer culture. Like, that is what you're acknowledging. Like, but that, I think, is a this whole subcultural element. And I think that, like, religion can be classified somewhat subcultural um in in that sense is that like you're you appreciate a higher order absolutely but what also about like when you're in like a queer nightclub and you're like just like dancing and you feel like this like ecstasy like ecstasy of like you like reach this energy you don't get when you don't get to like i feel like that is often a the to me like i'm interested in the space where performance art and religion like are because that's also like you know like whirling dervishes like in every religion there's like sufism or like mystical like a in, like there's different streams in like you know Islam it's Sufism and you have in like the Turkish version it's like the whirling dervishes they they have those you know crazy hats and they like spin around and to me that makes sense like you're like connecting with a higher power by like spinning around until you like lose yourself yeah so I'm interested in like I think there's yeah I mean the ritual really the, the ritual aspects that are associated with religion as far as I'm concerned are not different to the like ritual aspects that are associated with things that aren't religion say subcultural things but like a higher order of power i suppose i'm looking at it more from the perspective of like truth status like i don't like as someone who is like a committed atheist i don't think that like to like sort of in some way operate that way is based on like believing in something that's higher order do you know what i mean I mean, I I go to performance because I really do pe- think that there are some people that are like can like, I mean, reach like a different plane and like there can be I think relig there there are energies and like things that exist and the religion has been like one way to like explain them or give them meaning or give them a certain structure and often it can be very like uh, disempowering of a lot of people or have like dogmatic patriarchal expressions so it's like really complicated. But there's some instinct we have as humans that, like, I'm, I think that both art and religion often, like, are, like, in this muddy territory, both trying to kind of figure out that space. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, like, like, art being the vehicle of expression, which in some way, like, insinuates that we cannot, like, in some way exceed beyond this threshold point of comprehension, which is, like, you know human comprehension has its limitations and art is kind of like the striving to get there religion is just the like punctuating like that point and being like well this is the answer and like kind of just stopping it but there. i don't think all religion i mean i think some i think some expressions of people being religious aren't about this is the answer i think sometimes they're actually i'm not acknowledging... about the expressions i'm talking more so about religion in general yeah but people's interpretations of what religion is some people like the jewish religion for instance i feel like is not about it's almost like lit crit like if you read the torah it's like each rabbi saying like well i think this is maybe what this passage means and another rabbi saying well i actually think it could mean this so it's actually it's actually opening up a space for like multiple interpretations yeah but i think that's like exclusive to to judaism as like not necessarily like a a religion per se but as a way of like uh, actually teaching 
And I think that that could be unique to the Jewish tradition. And I don't want to discriminate or to like in some way isolate one over the other. But I do think that they have a really non-dogmatic approach to like to teaching, um, which is unique to to Judaism. Uh, that's just that's just but my... like in like I mean I think religions can all be like perverted, and I think like, but like, I think they meddle with truth. They don't they don't actually like try and answer true what to what's true they just kind of try and like bury it under the rug and go i think they're about storytelling i think religion is a lot about storytelling and i think like the religion is just so so many different i don't know i'm really like i'm really obviously like open to a lot of uh, i'm not like anti-religious but i'm also like into like being like picking and choosing and being like like i'm not like in a society where i have like there's some patriarchal religious order that's like you know, I also acknowledge that, like, a lot of people are in that situation. So it can be, like, you know, really, it's, like, even people, like, one of my best friends grew up in the South. And she just, like, we have, when we have this conversation about, like, atheism and stuff, she's just, like, like, you don't even know. Because her, ex- her firsthand experience has been dealing with people who, like, are making actively, like, other people's lives bad and, like, women's lives bad because of, like, what they say is religion that's exactly yeah yeah, so yeah like but, but i'm always like have this like open-mindedness where i'm like well that's a perversion of religion that's not religion at its core that's but that's i know i mean we, all I religion mean, has all religion has this mixed history of all this stuff so and every religion i feel like i don't think the religions are any bad or worse like if you go to the core doctrines of most of the you know principal world religions they're all you know they don't really have that in their core but it's like the like they all get they all like the, it, it's all pretty much like embedded into humans which are political yeah. animals so it's going to get inherently political and therefore it's going to get it's vicious. also we have yeah. we've only seen religion in patriarchal societies too so it's like well i mean like i'm a point blank you know i have to say that like whilst this this uh jousting back and forth has been interesting i am like a diehard like committed um atheist i i just think organized religion in general is is not um is not true and i <laughs> that's just my opinion though but i'm, I'm very yeah. i'm actually like but i mean i don't think i think like too like i don't know it's like i think like when i think of like like there are people who think like oh like there is a god that's kind of like santa claus sitting in a sky and like i can pray to him if i like gonna win my like my like 12 year old's gonna win their soccer game or not like that is really crazy to me but like i feel like there are I don't know. There's like something else that can also be going on. I feel like that it, it is the one thing is like that the limitation of comprehension I feel like is the one thing that kind of in some way connects all of these things together. I don't think there mm-hmm. is a higher order of power or something. But I don't know, maybe you maybe you disagree with that. Um I think there's like energies we don't know about or we can't explain. Yeah. Like some people seem to like like, I really think some people, like, can, like, reach a plane that, like, I can't, you know? And, like, perhaps there's yeah. things I don't know. Well, I mean, I think we've just delved into really tricky territory <laughs> here. And, I, I like, I can't say I was expecting that <laughs> by talking about the gospel mime. But we, but we did it anyway. And, uh, unfortunately, we've actually 100% run out of time. But we are going to continue this conversation. So if you are, if you are curious to hear the conclusion that we, we drew... Um, aside from the fact that you know we disagree with one another and I think we'll continue to disagree <laughs> please email uh, email me um, or just drop in a, a comment
comment. Um, but yeah, so that's that's all we have time for from Femme Fatale on, on Dublin Digital Radio with myself, Sophie. And thank you so much, Whitney. For thank you so much, Sophie. It's a very enjoyable conversation.